What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you live from a bunch of places on the internet. We are live on Facebook. We're live on YouTube. We're live on Twitch. We're live on Twitter. We're live on Crowdcast. We're live on so many places. But maybe you're listening to the podcast later. If you are, we still love you very much. Check it out wherever. Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, etc. All good. But not only are we live on a bunch of places on the internet, but we're also live in two different states at the current time That's right even even more states than we usually are than before we're than before more states, states than ever yeah. before that's gonna be our slogan from now on um, <laughs> so justin first of all is not here he got a last second gig so he is being LA LA justin. again yep. but pete hollywood you you are being new orleans pete that's right, right now i'm having a uh palmer here and it's uh it's lovely. I'm coming to you live from Stray Bullies uh, home. Yeah, it's well, absolutely... just to give everybody a little context if you've never listened to the podcast before. So we've got Brett Macris, a.k.a. Stray Bullet, yep. a.k.a. Stray Bullies. No, you're not going to say that anymore. Uh, he... yeah, oh, like you can so see him on camera shit. now. Oh, my God. I just he is <laughs> designs cocktails and drinks for us every week, which is awesome. One of them. Hold on. Hold on one second, folks. Uh, one of them is the Pete Palmer, which is based on Pete, who refuses to I make any of these drink drinks. First. So Brett actually made it for him in person. Pete, how is this cocktail? First of all, this Pete Palmer. The Pete Palmer is glorious. I love the mm-hmm. green. Uh, you're getting shout outs, dude. I love the green tea. It just makes it a little bit more mellow because mm-hmm. normally an Arnie Palmer with the lemonade and iced tea, you know, that's a lot of sugar. That's a lot of like, but the green tea kind of like calms it down a little bit, which is really nice. Yeah. So that's very good. But the other thing that seems to be going on is Brett is bringing you food. He brought you some yeah. sort of food yeah, in his Pete's, house. Uh, Pete's going to get a little tasting menu during the show here. Mm. So right now I brought him some um, if you can, you can, oh, the bread fell. Yeah. I, I baked this bread this afternoon. We have some tuna brasola, some bayona ham, some redfish uh, seared on embers. Oh my god! And then some uh, pig butter. Holy shit! Uh, I, uh, I didn't have dinner, so this is great. <laughs> Sorry that you didn't. Look, have... I, I cooked enough for everybody, so oh, okay. You know, mm-hmm. he'll just describe it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh this is great I, pete i'm a little worried though is this yeah. going to interfere with your interview technique you're usually <laughs> so prolific and chatty during the interview portion of the yeah or well, do this, you is very, usually this is very exciting I, I talk about it and then i just talk about the background stuff you know what i mean <laughs> i love this i love that you are getting a charcuterie board for anybody just tuning in by the way this legitimately is a comic book podcast i swear we're not just talking about drinks and food but Pete, just initial impressions here before we bring our guest in. How's the food so far? It's so glorious. The fresh bread and then the fish. I'm going to put a little, uh, I don't know like what that is, but man. <laughs> that is deli- what is that? That's chow chow. Chow chow. Never had that before. Yeah, that's dog food, Pete. Don't let him trick you. Okay. All right. Well, this is great. <laughs> Oh, this is very exciting. And I just, I'm going to bring this in here right now. This is from Ben the Border Collie. Just got back from my first day at Borderlands, the local comic store in South Carolina. And Grace greeted me with a Pete Palmer. Very good way to wine. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Here we go. Three states now. We're getting all. Yeah. 
We are rocking it. Listen, I don't want to waste too much time, so let's bring in our guest here. I'm very excited to chat with him about this book. It is super cool. It's called We Are Scarlet Twilight. It was previously on Kickstarter, now it is on Zoop, our current favorite platform that we have almost every week. But hey, they're killing it, man. Benjamin Morse. Hello, Ben. How are you? Thank hey, guys. How are you doing? Oh, my gosh. Uh, very excited to chat with you about We Are Scarlet Twilight. Uh, first of all, so I'm drinking a Pete Palmer. He's drinking a Pete Palmer and eating a charcuterie board. Um, you are drinking a Coke Zero, I believe. Just Drinking a, a Coke Zero. Uh, when I have a little more time, we're cleaning up downstairs. We have a house guest coming tomorrow. I will find wherever the bourbon is. and, uh, and Good for you. Good for you. Nothing like <laughs> a good bourbon. Well, great. No pressure there. You really only need to deliver on the comics. And I definitely think you are. We took a look at the first three and a half issues of this book. First three issues, and correct me if I'm wrong, they had successful Kickstarters. You now move the project over to Zoop for a collection of the first three issues and the fourth issue, all in a very nice hardcover, I believe, um, but this series is a mashup of so many fun things at the same time with such great art. It, it just uh, give me the pitch of the book so I don't mess it up because well, there's stuff the that's spo- yeah, there's You're stuff that's spoilers good, that I don't necessarily want to spoil it. That's all. You were doing pretty good. Um, yeah. it is kind of a mashup of a lot of old elements, um, primarily golden age comics, but I bring in some things from the Phantom, from the Shadow. Uh, from Batman the Animated Series, from those old Superman cartoons from the 40s. And in addition to that, those are kind of the visual references. And, uh, and the, I would say more than just visual, the story kind of conventions we you know we follow there. Uh, I also kind of take a few of the common elements we see in Golden Age comics, the way they approach patriotism, the way they talk about governments in America, uh, and how they deal also, I think, with some uh, adapting mythology, which is what comic books were doing at the start. Uh, into something that that fits this new you know way we look at the country and the way this art form was new at the time so it's a kind of philosophical mashup it's also a visual um, you know trope mashup as well and the idea was just to take all the good things about that stuff uh, make it work in the story together build some suspense on how we're going to handle those elements and hopefully pay it off pretty well yeah uh, one of the things I want to just kind of uh, quickly say here while I have an empty mouth is just um, <laughs> the tone the the kind of like the tones you use the viva is very cool uh, the the art's fantastic but also the panel layouts are really great love all the action and the splash pages it's just when you kind of open it up and start it's got such an inviting cool vibe that makes you want to keep reading and just just so well paced and put together it it had such a great feel to it i loved reading it thanks thanks that was the idea the pacing was something that uh i had worked on a series with um uh called august purgatory underground previous to this which was originally a 12 and a 7 and a four issue comic and it was fun to pace this out knowing it was going to be four issues uh it really let me hit the beats when i wanted to uh you know and also kind of approaching it as a kickstarter or zoop campaign you know, you have to keep in mind every issue's got to keep you coming back. There's got to be a good question that's open at the end. And I also can't just keep raising questions. I need to answer a few that I brought up previously. So uh, it was, I've, I've described it, writing this comic is almost like planning it, mm. which made it a lot easier for me. I'm not really a writer uh, by trade. I'm an artist first, but it was, it was pretty easy to step back, 
when I was combining so many different things and just say, all right, we're going to introduce this element here. We're going to pay it off in three. We're going to introduce this in two. That'll pay off at the end of four. Uh, and really just, it was pretty, uh, for once in my life, writing was easy to sit down and say, all right, this would be the best place for a reader to get the answer to this question or find out what the mystery is here. Hmm. So that was definitely at the forefront of my mind on it. So I don't want to blow up your spot at all, but can I talk about the thing that happens with the main character halfway through the first issue, the thing that's yeah. revealed? All right. Oh, yeah. Because that was the thing. I was already very much sold on the book in terms of I love Golden Age superheroes. You've got the whole big Flash Gordon-y titles going on throughout the book. And then halfway through the book, it's revealed that he's actually an ancient vampire and he attacks this guy and sucks all of his blood. And that spins us in some wild directions going forward. <laughs> I love this idea. I love this idea of taking something that is so gosh gee whiz and bringing almost this ultimate darkness to it at the same time. Was that the initial inspiration there to, to mash up those two things or how did it come to you? Yeah, that was actually the first uh, kind of I'll do things with stories where I'll have an idea and I'm like, okay, this would be okay, but there's it needs more. And as I kind of collect those, you know, when I jot them down, they're generally are like two or three that fit together. And this was kind of a product of that. The first good idea I thought I had that became this story was the idea of a vampire in the future. And mm -hmm. Who you know, if everyone maybe the world is like changed, so everyone's a vampire, and maybe the guy hunting vampires is the weirdo now. And then it's like, well, that's kind of interesting, but it wasn't enough. But that was kind of the initial idea was to play with uh, does that make somebody good or evil? Oh, and no. that sort of thing. So, oh, I thought that was on my street, I was about to apologize. <laughs> no, no, that's definitely our fault. Pete is about okay. to die in a fire alive, which yeah, is fine. bad for Pete, but good for our views, yeah. I gotta say. Like, well, I feel I like that's gonna turn out pretty well for us, but I guess we'll see what happens. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, no, don't worry about it. I'm sure Pete is going to be absolutely fine. Um, <laughs> let's, let's talk about as this is developed, because you do, like we're talking about, spin it around into a lot of other different directions as it goes. Mm -hmm. uh, where, uh, what's it like just piling ideas on top of ideas? Is there a point where you feel like this is too much, you're putting a hat on a hat and you had to pull it back a little bit, or is it never too much with this book? Uh, I think with this book, there was definitely a, a cap. Um, I, I, like I said, I kind of wanted to plan out, I'm going to reveal that he's a vampire on, you know, page seven and then, mm -hmm. and, and get a little violent. Uh, and then kind of I'm playing with the, the reader a little bit and that is he, is he really that bad? Is he an evil guy? Is he doing this? Is he pretending to be a good guy just to be a vampire and have a cover uh, to try and now the game is sort of to figure out what his deal is. And that, that kind of runs through, uh, up until issue three, and we answer that pretty definitively. So it kind of became a point of I had those ideas, and th those were the big things that made me want to approach this series and, and create it. But then it was basically putting other things out there in service to those. So there are a few other things I introduced throughout the book um, that have to do with things like him being a vampire that are sort of red herrings, but they're really only there. I, I pay them off, but they're kind of like the person that wasn't the killer in a mystery. They're there, they get their resolution, but they turn out not to have been the main point. So it was kind of taking my my question about his identity 
Uh, and I've described this plot a little bit to someone the other day, like a Rocky one. When Rocky won, it's not about necessarily if he wins the fight. It's about does he have what it takes? Can he stand in there? Can he do what he wants to do with himself? Is he a good person? All that stuff. And then in the other Rockies, which I love just as much, it's just kind of like can he win the fight? So this is definitely more of a who is he? Can he back up the person he pretends to be? Does he have a good reason for doing what he's doing? Those are the main questions we're putting out there. And and then the other question is, he's very overmatched by the start of issue two. He's really outnumbered by the bad guys. And the other big issue, uh, question we have to answer is, you know, how on earth is he going to beat these guys if he can? So, yeah, it, it was it was easy knowing those were my two things to put everything else in there in service to those. It was kind of just uh, those were the tent poles and everything else kind of arranged themselves around it. Yeah, this is unrelated to the comic book, but a question for you. How do you put out a fire in a kitchen in New Orleans? Do you have any hot tips or anything like that? I've never tried. I would start with a fire extinguisher. <laughs> um, fan is a good good, uh, good thing to have around if the fire, if the fire alarm is going off. These are great I've been to New Orleans, but I didn't. I was really busy. It was for a wedding. We had a lot of sights to see, and I just did not have time to start a fire. <laughs> No problem. No problem. It was at all. one more it day. Looks like for anybody know. listening to the podcast right now, it looks like they've kind of figured out the problem. We, yeah, we were all right. I mean, it's come. The alarms come back on three times, but we're hoping we got it fixed now. <laughs> great. This is great. I love doing a podcast like this. It makes me very happy. Uh, more seriously about your book, though, Ben, you mentioned earlier on that you come at this as an artist first. So, how does that play into the planning process when you're trying to tackle an issue? I would say it depends on I, I, as an artist, I think I approach the entire series uh, as from the visual aspect. I know when I want to see him in front of a giant building, when I want the city to look cool or when I want it to look foreboding, things like that. They, they, it is kind of in service to the, the rough outline of the story. And that will have to do with, you know, how I, if you look at the first part of the first issue, colors are pretty muted. They kind of, our sepia tone and strongly become more intense. Yeah. Uh, it really is something that is one instance where I think the story does come first and determine, I would say the tone of the artwork. And, and there are other points where the artwork kind of intruded and pushed some plot points around. Uh, for instance, in issue two, he gets a new costume because as I sat down and designed all the costume options, there was one that I thought looked the best, but didn't quite hit all the, some of the sillier parts of golden age costumes and, and I thought it wasn't quite the right pick, but I wanted to work it into the story. So he he got that costume in issue two in the future because I just wanted to draw it and I thought it looked cool. So there are some points where the art determines a little of where the plot's going to go. But the mainly I, I would say that's it's a real blurry process where I'm going to, for instance, here, I'm establishing that he's he's really outnumbered. He has a plan, but we don't know what it is yet. And that place is going to look sinister and foreboding and empty and scary. Um, he's going in there alone. So that's, that is one of, an instance of kind of how I think about what I want a scene to look like, how I'm going to color it, the angles I'm going to use, all those sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, uh, we got to come. Oh, go ahead, Pete. While uh, you... One of the things that, you know, I kind of picked up on is it really can, t you can tell from this book that it's uh, an artist is working on it because the, there is a great emphasis on the art as part of the storytelling. You know, a lot of times the art get covered up by balloons and different designs and different kinds of things. 
uh, word balloons and and stuff. So I was just really impressed with the the kind of focus on the layout and the way that they kind of the the way the eye kind of flows in the page and stuff. It's nice to see you know an artist a part of this process because I think it really helps with the design and. Uh, mm -hmm. just makes for such a nice feel. We read a lot of comics, and this was just such a breath of fresh air as far as like the different kind of uh, uh, panels and lack of in this, where it was still just a nice to read and good on the eyes as far as like uh, there's not like 18 panels jammed in a page. You're like, oh gosh, I got to get closer to read this. It was mm -hmm. really just uh, well put together. No, oh, thanks. Thanks. It's, it's definitely, it's kind of hard for me to understand how people put together comics when they're not writing and drawing it. it. It would be, I mean, I've drawn comics other people have written, but it's, it, it frees me up to do different things. For instance, I wanted to have kind of a pattern uh, that on this page, partly just because it looks cool, partly yeah. to give this guy a little prominence because he's coming in to be the heavy in the last issue, but we haven't seen him much at all. Yeah. I mean, his neck that. is doing all the uh, prominence. There. Yeah. That is a, yeah. that's an impressive <laughs> neck. I wanted to make him look like he had a, you know, something, not quite a logo, but he has this like crest behind him. And yeah, so yeah, I can see that. And we're kind cool. of saying he's the second. It's almost if you zoom back from this, you'd see an organizational chart of their evil empire. Um, and he's, you know, second up there. That was kind of the idea. So I'm doing a lot of storytelling there. And it's also something where uh, I wanted to keep this at four issues. I really think that's like the right amount of pages for a story like this and to force myself to make everything work within that format. Uh, and then as an artist, I really have to try and get a lot of things across that I didn't have time to do with dialogue or an extra scene. So a lot wow. of the scenes with Madame Satanica, the villainess you see there, she's not a physical villain. She's not going to get in there and karate kick someone. So, but I also didn't have a lot of time in the story to cut away and show her kicking a puppy or something to show she's evil and why we don't like her. So I had to be really, uh, cognizant of ways to maybe show how everyone else acts around her. And I don't know if that completely comes across, but at least helps to keep things consistent in my mind and be looking for opportunities to create, um, give you information about her and about the other villains without necessarily saying it out loud. Awesome. Yeah. I wanted to ask you a little bit about your inspirations. This was called out in the chat, and it certainly jumped out to me that your stuff is a little bit like the Dodsons. I'd oh, also yeah. throw yeah. out Jay Lee in a little bit, particularly with a lot of the shading we're seeing in this fourth mm -hmm. issue here. But where specifically are your inspirations? Where do you draw upon? The biggest ones that I looked at a lot when I was drawing Weird Scarlet Twilight are Steve Rude mm -hmm. and Alex Ross. Wow. Um, and I, I also should mention uh, he's not a panel to panel artist. He's a designer uh, chip kid is the designer who puts together most of Alex Ross's sort of art books. Uh, there's a way he approaches, especially the books he does about DC that really captures a lot of the nostalgia about the old things they're showing and about the comic book art form and the artifacts of it that we have that always was in my head when I wanted to do this series. It's kind of the approach, the, the lens I wanted to look at these types of heroes and story elements through. So those were the big three that were, were kind of constantly, I'd be looking at that when I was done drawing or taking a break or getting ready to draw. Um, I wanted to do those things. And then I also was looking at a lot of, uh, I guess the Fleischer Brothers Superman cartoons is oh, wow. background mm -hmm. artist that I can point to. Um, but I think Eric Radomowski is the guy that did a lot of the backgrounds for the Batman animated series. And 
that's one I can mention is I was always looking at those. How do they light the buildings? How much detail do they show in buildings are far away? Things like that uh, were my primary ones. But uh, the Dotsons are definitely, I'm huge fans of them and look at their work a lot. Cool. Uh, we got a question here over on YouTube. Just going to find it. Okay. This is from Derek Mainhart. Is Benjamin also doing the coloring? Benjamin, are you also doing the coloring? I am. Yeah, I do everything from coming up with the idea to when it goes to the printer. Wow. So it, I'm sure you get this one all the time, but how long does an issue take you then, given that you're doing every single part of it pretty much? Well, it can vary. This one went by pretty fast, probably a couple of months. The nice thing about working with Zoop is they handled the campaign planning, um, setting up tiers, all that stuff. I mean, we talk and it's not like I didn't have any input into that. They handled a lot of the work that went into a planning and you know, a crowdfunding campaign that was really, really hard to do and also be developing the comic when I was doing it at Kickstarter. So I would be trying to do some pages to get, you know, the, get ahead in the story. But I was also figuring out what's shipping going to cost in six months, what's printing going to cost in six months, how long is it going to take? And of course, the longer you waste time not doing your comic and planning those things out, the more time is going by and the more likely those things are apt to change. So I, I would say probably a month and a half, two months would be as fast as I can do it all on my own. And I was pretty close to that because of the switch to Zoop, um, which was one of the great re reasons to go over there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, we got another one from Derek, who is real chatty Kathy today. That's my hey. question. <laughs> question, do you work digitally? I do, yeah. Uh, I've done a few sketches lately um, that were by hand. Uh, found out that my eyes are not as good as last time I tried to do that. But uh. um, So I've got some readers here. Uh, it's for next time. But yeah, I've been, I'm a digital artist uh, by trade. I've been doing that pretty much ever since I got out of college, doing line art for instruction guides, doing graphic design for catalogs, videos, animation, all that sort of thing. So it fits pretty well into my workflow to be drawing digitally. Um, so I, that is how I do it. Awesome. Uh, well, you mentioned about, a little bit about the Zoop campaign, but what has been different for you from Kickstarter to Zoop? This is something that we also talk about all the time, not just with Zoop folks, but Kickstarter folks. But I feel like everybody approaches these crowdfunding platforms in very different ways. So I'm curious to hear from you. Well, my experience with them has been fantastic. The uh, Logistically, what I mentioned before was, was just a huge boon to getting the thing done. Um, I was done with this about a week ago, which in the middle of the campaign which has never happened before. I think the furthest I ever was, was 12 pages in during the campaign. So that's purely due to the fact that they do that part of the campaign. Uh, additionally, in terms of just coming up with ideas for things, they, the people at Zoop, Jordan and Eric, are comic book people. They know good ways to get the word out about things I wouldn't have thought of before. They know good things to offer um, or avenues to, to, you know, to make this or that thing that I wouldn't have thought of or would thought of, but I didn't know were necessarily what people want because they've done so many of these campaigns. They're like, no, no, you should do that. That's cool. People love that. So it's been, it's been really great um, doing that as opposed to Kickstarter, which I don't have anything bad to say about. Um, Kickstarter is a bit of a vacuum. You're just you and the backers, which is fine. Um, the biggest problem I think I ever had with Kickstarter is just that, they're a huge platform. Comics are not the biggest thing on it. There's gaming, there's all sorts of other stuff. 
And I think there's a few points where people were having trouble with the interface or we didn't know what was happening. And I'd say, oh, I'll reach out to Kickstarter and see what they say. And I could never get past a chatbot. Um, I think that that's a big difference between Zoop, which is comics focused and, and looks to be um, it just focused on this industry and the questions comic book backers have and creators have uh, versus Kickstarter, which is big and great, but you're not going to get necessarily your questions answered. If somebody's like, Hey, it's, can I add this issue on in this way that that makes sense to a comic book person? It probably wouldn't. It, it's just not what Kickstarter is necessarily set up to do easily. So that's the biggest difference uh, I could point out. It's such a s large, but small, but underrated thing of just like getting some help in the comic book mm -hmm. industry. You know, yeah. so much of it yeah. is just you putting your out there by yourself. So it's great that soup does that. I love that. Um, obviously you're going to get the hardcover if you pledge the Zoop campaign which by the way i should mention for anybody listening awesome news i believe it is successful right now mm -hmm. you've actually almost doubled your goal at this point with nine days left which is amazing um but you know keep the money coming obviously what else other than the book though can people expect if they check it out well you can check out the um the hardcover specifically is going to have a lot of extras um a lot of development art a lot of explanation and some of the history that's that goes into the story that the characters refer to. Um, we're also going to have a direct market version coming out through Red 5. And then issue one is in previews now, if you want to mm -hmm. check that out of your local comic book shop. And there's going to be a trade uh, way down the line with that. That's going to be just the story. Uh, the hardcover is an opportunity to see better looks at some of the artwork, development stuff, explanations of why I did this or that. Um, and just also like there's certain characters in the book that look a lot different than the other characters. And I can kind of go into Hey, here's how that got put together. Here's how it was created. So a lot of process, a lot of story commentary, and uh, you might learn a little bit about history as well. Awesome. Ben, this is so cool. I love this comic. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for chatting, and thank you for putting up with our various fires and dogs and children <laughs> and things like that. Yeah, thank you, Ben. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Have a good night. And folks, once again, you can check out We Are Scarlet Twilight, on Zoop in while we were yeah. talking to Ben though Zoop. before we move over on to our next section it looked like you got another dish I, I got another dish yeah it was it's fucking amazing it's some kind of what what do we got going on over here so I it's a yellowfin tuna yellowfin smoked tuna. with hay seared a little avocado a little caviar <laughs> caviar the other holy thing, shit I've never had that before I've had caviar now. Fried redfish cheeks. That's amazing. With green garlic and little green garlic strands. Yeah, this is made to money. look like the hay that I smoked the tuna with. Oh my god. <laughs> Pete, how's the caviar? How do you feel? Are you addicted to it now? You're gonna it's head salty. off to the oh, it is salty. Fish eggs are salty. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you, Pete. I did not uh, know well, that. folks, we are gonna move to our next section, which is my favorite section because you all make it up. It is your audience question. Yeah. There we go. I figured it out. And for audience questions, all you got to do is drop a comment on any of our various platforms and we will get to it. Now, this is the point when usually we talk about what we're drinking, but uh, we know what we're drinking tonight and we know also what we're eating. So that's pretty good. 
I did no. want to bring up real quick while people are coming up with questions, and please, they can be about absolutely anything, about geeky stuff, about comic book movies, about comic books, about news, hot topics on politics. If you have Where questions about New Orleans. Exactly. Brett's house, dot, dot, dot. That's pretty much it. Um, I, I do want to bring up, not to put Brett on the spot, but he is here in StreamYard. Leave it muted, Brett, but I love this because we can actually watch you cooking on a third camera while we're doing stuff. This is great. Oh, it's no. like we're the network or big brother or something it's, yeah it's like you can see into the kitchen the food being made yeah mm -hmm. it's really nice i love it uh well yeah do we definitely let us know if you got any questions pete mm -hmm. before we get into it i know there were a bunch of hot topics oh we were talking about on oh, thank our... you. Yeah. <laughs> don't wait don't waste the caviar yeah. oh wow now you're just eating caviar straight off a spoon pete yeah, yeah i'm, I'm you're changed, so man. bougie You've, you've changed. Yeah. The uh, so we taped an episode of our Marvel Vision podcast while mm. you were gone down in New Orleans. Me and Justin, we did a bunch of quick news updates about Marvel Studios stuff. There's one mm. in particular, since nobody's asked a question about this yet, that I wanted to get to. So there's been a lot of news coming out about Daredevil: Born Again, the 18 episode series from Marvel. Uh, the big news, which we didn't get to talk to you about, there's two sides to this. There's good news, bad news situation. Good oh, wow. news, John Bernthal coming back as the Punisher. Come on! Bad news is it's a podcast. <laughs> it's a podcast? Yes. It's, uh, that's what I heard. John Bernthal is going to be Punisher on a podcast. Oh, yeah. he's gonna. It's uh, Punisher's podcast journal. That's what it is, I believe. No, he's not Punisher on a podcast. Uh, what What do you think about that? Are you excited to see John Bernthal back on Daredevil: Born Again? Ah, uh, yeah, he murdered it. He did. He does such a great job uh, as Punisher. It's very exciting to have him back. Oh, that's it. You're done. You're full of caviar. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you don't think he did a great job? You don't? No, think I good think he did a great job. It just sounded like there was more to your sentence. And then you started burping caviar everywhere. Yeah, so. it's a it's a new new weird thing that I'm doing. <laughs> that's great. Do you know the egg? The fish eggs are actually going to grow into little baby fish in your belly. Oh, that's adorable. I have a little koi pond going on in there. <laughs> the flip side, the bad news that I wanted to get your take mm -hmm. on, though I have a fair idea of what might happen. Or oh, are you getting another dish now? Is that I'm what's getting going another on? dish? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll ask my question in a second. I'll let you um, have the dish. What do we got here? Ribeye. Ooh, ribeye. Beet and horseradish puree, mm -hmm. and a little beef butter with anchovy. Oh man. Whoa! Light it on fire! Oh my gosh! A torch, charring it right on the top. This is—I can guarantee you—the fanciest meal Pete has ever had in his life. That's true. That's very true. This is the fanciest meal I've ever had in my life. Uh, well, wait—I'm going to give you a minute to try this and give us your impressions before I wreck your life. So, Pete, how's this dish? How is it? Oh, no. oh it's good. Pete, Pete's tap. Ebbing his mouth with a napkin right now. It's um, yeah. Sorry, it's hard to eat and talk at the same time. This oh, is really? phenomenal. It's quite possibly the best steak I've ever had. Wow! All oh. right, compliments for the chef. All right, I've been to Peter Luger's. Better than Peter Luger's. Oh, yeah, man, that's fired. The other thing, the flip side that I wanted to mention, the same story that announced that John Bernthal is coming back as the Punisher. They also said that most likely not coming back are Deborah Ann Wall and Eldon Henson as Karen and Foggy, respectively. How you feel about that, Pete? Wait, wait. You're just 
So Punisher is coming back, but yep. Foggy and uh, Karen is not. This is what I tried to warn you about when we're at the podcast. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. He gave me a whole emotional pep oh, talk. That's great. So I uh, do you know actually chefs do this at regular restaurants as well? They uh, bring you out the chefs are amazing. Like, chefs are I just amazing. want to warn you about some Marvel news that's yeah. going on. Uh, Karen and Foggy, you're not going to be back. I know this might affect. How are you going to do basically. Daredevil without Karen and Foggy? I think that's a valid. Yeah, question. they seem really essential to the whole thing. Fuck you. They were a huge part of the show. You <laughs> were they? They're yes, off, they, they were. were always off doing their own thing. I, oh, my God. Well, here's my They're question. just ignoring the Foggy character all together. Like, just didn't exist. Here's my question for you. Is, let's say, they don't want to bring them back for whatever reason. Would you want to see somebody else as Foggy? Or is it Eldon Henson or no Foggy? Yeah, I mean, you got to... You're going to bring back a different Foggy like that was the problem? I don't think so. I think that guy did a great job, and I'd like to see them back. I thought they were a big part of the series, and it's uh, it's absolutely heartbreaking. But it's hard to complain because I'm getting Punisher back. So, But, man, it's it's always got to be something, right? You can't yeah, just... they give you something, they take away something. That's how it is. It's like how the chef brings you your delicious dish and then takes it away to give you the next, next dish. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, we got a couple of these questions here. Uh, both, I think, Frederico Rosa and Nelson Martinez were asking about this. I'll just bring up Nelson's question here. What were your guys' favorite wins and or worst snubs at the Oscars? Pete, I know you've been Nolan's Pete, but were you able to check out the Oscars? Any thoughts? Uh, on yeah, I just felt like, uh, you know, Angela Bassett, Bassett got robbed. I mean, mm -hmm. she did an amazing job, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking, you know what I mean? So... Totally agree with that. I think if you saw her face and the fact that she didn't stand up for Jamie Lee Curtis, I think she was definitely feeling that pretty hard, which sucks. Um, also, I'd throw out there in that category, in particular, Stephanie Sue, who was in Everything Everywhere All at Once, who was basically one of the two leads of the movie, but was in the supporting category. Absolutely insane that Jamie Lee Curtis won over her. Like... I don't know if it was Stephanie Sue or Angela Bassett, maybe I'd be like, all right, that that's fine. They both did a great job. Stephanie Hugh was actually the lead of the movie in a certain way. But the fact that they gave it to Jamie Lee Curtis, who mind you also good in the movie was man, real bummer. But other than that, I thought it was a pretty good show, which makes me feel weird. I think Jimmy Kibble overall did a, pretty good job of keeping things moving and just keeping it focused on jokes about stuff. There were some off color jokes that he did, but generally I thought it was pretty good. And all of the winners, there's stuff that I was like, sure, that's fine. You can give that to all quiet on the Western front. But for the most part, even if I didn't love the movies, the right people won, you know, like Kihu Kwan winning. That was phenomenal. Uh, Brendan Fraser, don't don't need to see any awards for the whale, but if you're going to give an award to the whale, give it to Brendan Fraser. And Everything Everywhere All at Once, winning at the end was great as well. Uh, Michelle Yeoh winning, also great. And did you see, this was the moment that got me. Like, everybody kept being like, oh, I'm crying right now, various categories. And I was like, nope, I'm still trapped. I'm good. I'm not crying. The thing that got me was the very last thing in the ceremony when Everything Everywhere All at Once won Ki Hu Kwan ran up on stage and Harrison Ford was there and he gave him the biggest hug and oh. kiss. And Harrison Ford was so happy to see him. Happy Harrison Ford. 
Come on. It's like a dodo that doesn't exist anymore, man. I mean, if you're watching Shrinking, he loves Fun Dip, and that's really hilarious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But he's not exactly happy. No, he's not. Oh, gosh. So it was really just awesome to see that kind of joy. Yeah. So that was absolutely fantastic. That's the one that made me cry and really got me. Um, Let's see. Ooh, we got a question here from (laughs) for Stray. Why is your kitchen lit like that? For anybody listening, it's currently purple on the camera. Stray for looking at it. He likes likes purple. Who that? You know what I mean? There you go. Yeah. Maybe it's a shout out to Purple Man from Jessica Jones. It does look purple. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's just checking it out. He's like, oh, that is. Is that like a waiting room thing? Mm, I don't know what's going on there or why it's purple, to be honest with you. It's got to be some sort of cinematic camera, but. Can't tech check it now. It's not purple just in that room in case you're watching. You're like, how did Uh, they do that? It's not just party room. This is from Schoichler. In that vein, what are the best and worst recasts in comic book movies or TV shows? Oh, that's tough. Mm. I mean, it's always tough when they do a recast. Trying to think of like, I remember the Aunt Viv was huge. Uh, not really a comic book movie or TV show. I don't. It's think. a TV show. It's yeah, a TV but it's show. comic book movies or TV shows, not comic book movies, comma or TV shows. Oh, okay. Well, I misheard then. I apologize. Yeah. Well, we're talking about like Terrence Howard Rhodes, to yeah, yeah, to Don Cheadle, uh, that sort of thing. When Batman lost out to uh, mm-hmm. well, what's his face? Yeah, yeah. George Clooney was like, yeah, I'm not I'm going to. George do- Clooney was pretty bad as Batman. I think it was pretty bad as Batman. That's fair to say. I think he would say that as well. So that's pretty, that's very much a downgrade. Um, you know, I think people have really turned on this in a positive way, but you're going to yell at me for this. I think Tobey Maguire to Andrew Garfield was an upgrade of casting. Wow, dude. Shots fired. Well, then what's Tom Holland then? Tom Holland is great in the MCU movies, but I think Andrew Garfield, if he was given the chance, and he was given the chance in No Way Home, he's the best, like, classic Peter Parker Spider-Man. Like he's You know what's what's funny is I got in a fight with uh, Stray's son this morning because he was like, Andrew Garfield's the best... Spider-Man, and it's I was Andrew like, Garfield's house. It, <laughs> he just said it's Andrew Garfield's house. Uh, no, uh, you know, as I said to this uh, six-year-old in his face, four, four my bad. Um, uh, he's not the best. Uh, Tom Holland is the best. Uh, and before that, it was Toby. Wow, so Tom Holland, number one, then Toby, then Andrew Garfield? That's right. Hmm. Gonna disagree with you. I'm gonna put Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland, Toby McGuire. All right, cool. And Ben the Border Connolly, stop picking fights with me in the comments talking about Foggy Nelson and then Frankencastle. <laughs> go after yourself, bro. Uh, well, there you go. We got a nice fight for you. This one is from David Quinley. Interesting question here. You think the creators of everything could still have won all those Oscars if they took Marvel's offer? I don't remember what movie they were up for. If anybody wants to let us know in the comments, I don't necessarily remember that, but um, potentially, honestly, like, I don't know. You need something that is a game changer, like a black Panther to really break 
that wall between superhero movies and the Oscars. You know, you saw that other than Angela Bassett and Tears of the Nominations for Wakanda Forever, where it was just all technical awards, and that was pretty much it. So that's mostly what they're going to give to superhero yeah, but stuff. That, it but... should have been more than that. I mean, the, you know, the acting in these are really great. It was a crowded year. I'm not going to say anything disparaging about Wakanda Forever because you will jump through this screen and absolutely murder me. That's right, I will. But the... Uh, I think like mostly they are like, eh, that's technical awards. We're going to keep them there. But you look at like the Oscars this year in particular, like I'm saying, you got Avatar The Way of Water, which is a popcorn movie, even if it's doing like bigger stuff. You got Top Gun Maverick, which is also same sort of thing. Yeah. I don't think they're opposed to it. They know that these popcorn movies need to be in there. They're just not going to hit the same level. So this is a roundabout way of saying that if the Daniels had done been able to do a Marvel movie the same way and with the same depth of feeling and thought and theme that they brought to everything everywhere all at once, then sure, why not? I, I don't know that it would have taken a best picture because it's a different movie and who knows what it would have been up against, but I don't think there's anything against it, honestly, at the current time. I'm, Pete, I'm what's getting, going on I'm off getting, camera? You're smiling. Dish. Oh, you're getting a new dish? Yeah, yeah. This is this is one of the coolest fucking things I've done in a long time. Can you I'm hear him? Say that right now. Can you hear him? Yes. This okay. is your garbage plate. What? <laughs> Wait, could you show it off close to the camera? Yeah, I can try. I can try it. It's all sliding. Yeah. But uh, and my hands in the way. So I made Pete a few weeks ago. I asked in audience questions, "What's your preferred garbage plate?" And you said two white hots, hot sauce. Yeah. The meat mac hot salad. Sauce. Yeah. Ketchup, mustard, French fries. fries. This is a Wellington with all of those things inside. <laughs> what? What? But also, it's not just a Wellington. We couldn't quite see it on camera. There we go. It has a giant P. It on has the top. a little P on the top. That's amazing. That yeah. is fantastic. This is, I think, this... uh, the culmination of our show. <laughs> That's it. I think this is the last episode of Comic Book Club. We so, finally uh, bought this whole bit. The ketchup I made from sun-dried tomatoes. Oh, my God. <sighs> the mustard is a jus I made from the drippings of the sausage that I reduced down, emulsified mustard into it <laughs> with a little lemon juice. Wow. Those fries are phenomenal, just FYI. Yeah, I feel like you need to try this, Pete, and then Stray needs to leave the room so that you can be like, you know what, this isn't as good as a regular garbage plate. Oh, my God. <laughs> like a regular wow, garbage I've never had fresh ketchup before. This is bananas. Anyway, this is the culmination of my career. I quit. Bye. Wow. <laughs> Oh my God, this is amazing. He has a family um, to support. This is not good. No, this is, we've ruined his life. Yeah, much. we've ruined his life. <laughs> All right, Pete, I, I want you to taste this. I'll uh, I'll yeah. talk about. I don't know. How, how do you even open this? Yeah, yeah. You just, I think you unhinge your jaw and put the whole welling Yeah, just go the whole. Like a snake. Yeah. yeah. Hold on. This is my chef's snake. Here we go. Oh, man. Oh, wow. I, how, for anybody listening to this at home on the audio podcast, let us know how this is going. Shoot us an email at comicbookclublive at gmail.com to let us know if we should do more podcasts where we're eating oh multi-course meals. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is crazy. You guys would have to move oh. down to New Orleans. Holy, Holy shit. shit, dude. There is mac <laughs> salad 
surrounding the meat in this in a way that I've never even. Uh, uh, your hot sauce is on the bottom. Oh, hot sauce is on the bottom. Your mac is on the top. Look, let's, you can do <laughs> see this. If you can, yeah, you see if you can bring it up to the camera because these yeah. are bananas. Oh my god! All right, for that. anybody, for anybody not watching but listening, yeah. this looks phenomenal. It's huge, huge sausages in the middle of the volume. Remember the bolognese? The back is lightly yeah. placed on top, like you said. The hot sauce. This is incredible, Pablo. Over here says uh, this is a cooking show right now, Pablo. You are not wrong. Yeah. At some point, we'll get back to the comics potentially. If anybody has questions about comics, let us know. But. I don't know. I love it. Until this. then. Oh my where did you get white hots? Uh it's Cherie sausage. All right. How is it? Take a moment, Pete. Just think about it. Think about uh times when Foggy and Karen were still on Daredevil. Keep those good thoughts in your mind. Taste this fancy garbage plate and let oh us know my what God. you think. It's it's glorious. It's just so glorious. Well, and be honest. I mean, just to mention for anybody listening, Pete. Looks like he has seen God at this point. Like he's looking down. <laughs> he's found religion. Yeah, yeah. I he's believe. Crying, I, I believe in God now. It's a it's a whole different life out, outlook. Um, I can't stop eating the fries and fresh ketchup. Have you ever had fresh ketchup? I didn't know that was the thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. 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 I get like when I get like a new Heinz from the supermarket. That's a fresh ketchup. That's, that's a fresh thing. ketchup right there. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, uh, Tell you what, because uh, it seems like you're about to cry and die. We got yeah. one more question here to tie this all back together from Derek Mainhart. What comics are the most delicious? If you Ooh. if you had to eat one comic book, Pete, what would you eat? I wouldn't because I respect the art and uh, the writing. You're on a desert movie. island. This is your desert island book, by I'm which not I mean eat. the book that you have to eat. I'm not going to eat a comic. I would never eat a comic. You'd rather um, die? I'd rather die. What about but, like Sushi Chef Hero or whatever that... Sushi the, Chef Hero. Oh, yeah. The uh, Anthony uh, Bourdain uh, book. Anthony yeah, Bourdain, Bourdain book. book. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That would be pretty good. It's nice to have him here. I think you want something thick. I would say, like, I'd eat a Blankets or something like that, because that's a nice, thick, wow. soft cover. So you could mm -hmm. probably really cut into that. And I mean, I would be scared to eat Ice Cream Man, but I feel like maybe, uh, you know. Maybe it would definitely taste like fear. I think that's good. Oh, oh Ben, the Border Collie answered this earlier this week. Uh, I answered this earlier this week. Dynamite Cheesecake. There you go. Good answer from the board, Collie. Nailed it. And Nailed that it. is it for your audience oh, question. I got one audience question. Wait, he's got one oh, we got one audience question from Stray. What's up? It reminded me earlier today, Pete was reading comics before the show, and we were listening to music, and I was like, does that help you or does that distract you? And he was like, I mean, I don't need it. So do you like to listen to music. I know we used to talk about this when we did uh, metal, the whole mm -hmm. oh, Dark yeah. Knights metal thing. But does music help or uh, hinder your reading? Because I love to do it. That's a great question. Pete, where did you fall on this? Well, when I'm uh, reading a bunch and uh, I, the music can... If I'm just reading like one comic, it would be nice to have some music on. But mm -hmm. when I'm like cranking through some comics and really tr want to try to absorb it, and not have any outside distractions, I I don't have any. Mm. I I generally do not because mm -hmm. it does distract me from the experience of being in it. And it's the same thing with reading books. I I want to be in there. You know, I want to be yeah. focused on that thing. I want to be living in that world. And anything else, if I start playing music, 
I'm going to just sort of turn a little bit and be like, ooh, check out this music. That said, this is a little bit of a spoiler that I'll mention. We talk about this on the Stack podcast this week. But the new issue of I Hate Fairyland that comes out tomorrow is a great music tie-in that you can check out. I'm not going to spoil what it is or anything like that. But if you like the book, check out the book because it is a time that I listen to some music while reading a comic book. And it works chef kiss yeah i re like recently i reread uh murder falcon and i put on some metal and it was a more enjoyable experience for sure yeah and uh by the way just to check i know i just said chef kiss at the end of the meal do you get a chef kiss i don't i don't think that's how it's gonna work yeah all right i guess we'll see uh well i'll tell you what we are going to move <laughs> to I'll see what happens. <laughs> we are going to move to our next section, which is trivia. And for that, I'm going to turn it over to Fancy Caviar Lover LePage. Oh, boy. Oh, man. The lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win $25 free in the form of gift card in Midtown Comics or Long John Silver for some reason. Um, but, yeah. We just need a volunteer. Usually, well, we have a volunteer. The volunteer is in the house. It's coming from inside the house. Yes. Oh my gosh! It's actually a little delay. Yeah, there we go. Okay, uh, straight. Why don't you come over? I'm going to take you off camera now, if you want. Why don't you come over and sit next to Pete, and we'll do some trivia, if that's right. No. He said, "Come over, sit next to me, and we'll do a little trivia." Okay, yeah, you guys can just do it. You don't have to hear me. Yeah, we can just do it without Zalvin. This will be great. Yes. Just get exactly. another chair. Um, all right. And what's nice is he won't be able to tell the right answers because they yeah. don't mark it. Mm. All right. Uh, all right, great. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. Here we go. Quite. Oh, first off, well, today's trivia uh, is a small nod to the legend Wayne Shorter. Rest Who's that? Well, rest in peace, jazz musician. Come on, bro. Oh, sorry. We went down. We, we just went down. Yeah, we, we went down the record store. We were looking at jazz stuff. It was a really beautiful moment. Now that's all ruined. All <laughs> right. So uh, question number one. This fall, who will write some Wonder Woman? Is it A, Tom King, B, Queen Shower, or C, Michael Bath? Which one do you think it is? A, I'm gonna say A. Tom King. Tom King. I gonna saw be... it in front of me. Yeah, that's true, but you can't tell which one's the right answer. I know. Uh, but um, <laughs> yeah, that should be very interesting, right? To see what Tom King's gonna do with Wonder Woman could be could be some interesting stuff. Zelbs, what do you think? Uh, oh, okay. This is new for trivia. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm interested in it. I'm a little disappointed that all these new. Creative teams, with the exception of Hawkgirl, that DC announced are all male, you know, which is a little bit of a bummer, uh, including the Wonder Woman team. Um, you know, could have shaked it up a little bit, shooken it up a little bit. So that's too bad. But it's Tom King and, oh my gosh, Daniel Samperi is yeah. on the art. That's a great team. I've always, great. I would be excited to read any book that they're putting together, together. But yeah, the, that, marred the announcement for me a little bit all right he's worrying about burning something but you can still hear me all right so question number two the great british bake-off speaking of cooking finalist kim joy makes her comics debut with blank is it a turtle bread b turtle soup or c ewan mcgregor 
I'm going to guess it's B. Or you could th- wait for my hint where I say, or you could say turtle bread. Okay, turtle bread. There you go. It's mm. not a real thing. It's not, a, but it is going to be a real thing. All right. Because uh, it's coming to comics, and uh, so it should be interesting. Turtle bread. Turtle bread. You've never heard of it. I've yeah, never why heard not? Of it. Yeah, and he, this guy works in the industry. All right, here we go. Last one. Marvel is introducing a new character who has the power of blank. Is it A, the Tesseract, B, knowing how to act, or C, Lakeith Stanfield, speaking of great mm. actors? I'm going to pick the Tesseract. That's the one that only makes sense. So that would be the correct answer. 25 free dollars yours. No, well, I don't want Long John Silver. He oh, okay. Well, do you want do you want Midtown Comics or do you want to donate again? You want to donate or Midtown Comics? Donate. donate. So, do you want to explain for anybody who hasn't Nola heard Fridge. one of these? Yes. The, what is the charity you want to donate to? Sure. NolaFrigerators.com. I think that's the website. But they place refrigerators all around the city in various locations and they fill it with groceries and they fill it with food and people who need it can just come take it. Awesome. Yeah. So cool. Right now, Turkey and the Wolf, one of the big restaurants in town right now, just installed one right in front of their uh, restaurant. It's awesome. Amazing. Very cool. Congratulations, Stray. Thank you for coming yeah, congratulations. on. Uh, please, whatever is burning on the stove right now, please go take care of that. And as we all know, new comic books are coming out all the time. Pete, I know you're down in New Orleans, but anything you're looking forward to in particular? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. Danger Street number four. Uh, just love mm. the art style, love the action, love how it starts with that helmet yelling, the helmet of fate yelling, our story continues. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just they've set up such a fun cadence for it. And they've been delivering every issue. I'm having a great time with that. Excellent. A couple of ones that I want to shout out. No one, number one, from Image Comics. This is another expansion oh, yeah. of the Massive Verse, which uh, I love everything that comes out about this, or at least like I like it and I'm intrigued by it. So excited to check this one out. This also has a multimedia component where they're doing a podcast that spins off of the comic book itself. Also, the Star Trek books from IDW, there's two of them coming out tomorrow. Star Trek number five, which is the main title, and Star Trek Defiant number one, which is spinning off of that. So curious to check those out. And the last one that I'll give a shout out to, also from Image Comics, The Forged number one. This is oh, made yeah. by Greg Rucka, Eric Troutman, and Mike Henderson with art by Mike Henderson. Always read anything by Greg Rucka. And I, I will talk more about this on the Stack Podcast, but this book goes hard so you can check out that in the comic book club feed and its own dedicated stack feed every wednesday at 9 a.m all of those books are going to be there pete do you have another dish on the way is that what's going on yeah this uh thing was going off um yeah before we sign off i don't know if there's another day oh there's dessert coming oh my god oh boy okay i i did want to wrap up before we get the nutella crepes louisiana strawberries Mountain Dew Reduction. <laughs> Mountain Dew Reduction. <laughs> what? Oh, oh my God. A, that is not to call out a different fruit, but the perfect cherry on top of this oh meal, I would say. God. Pete, you got to give us a review once you try it. How is it? Are you doing the dew? I am doing the dew. This is glorious. I can't believe. He made like a Mountain Dew sauce, and it is absolutely glorious. It really works well with the grapes and the 
strawberries. It's a very fun combination. My mouth is fucking fired up. This is glorious. <laughs> Can you just uh, real quick ask the chef if that's regular Mountain Dew or Code Red? Is this regular Mountain Dew or Code Red? It's regular Mountain Dew. Regular Mountain Dew. Regular I tried Mountain. to get the Code Red. I could not find it. Anywhere. You couldn't find the Code Red. <laughs> okay. I was actually going to cook the strawberries in the Code Red. I just couldn't find them. He was going to cook the strawberries in Code Red, but he couldn't find the Code Red. Amazing. Yeah. This is the best day of Pete's life. And this really? is the best day of my life because... You all came out and you checked out the show, or you yeah. Way we really appreciate it. We want to thank Benjamin Morris for coming on. Be sure to check out We Are Scarlet Twilight on Zoop. Great book as of this taping for another. Yeah, it was so fun. You should definitely check it out. Next week on the show, Doug Bratton is going to be here to talk isolation, and Richard Momsen is going to be here to talk by water, the Felix Mann's story, so that should be yet another fun show. As I mentioned earlier in the podcast, we got a new episode of our Marvel Vision podcast where Justin and I talking all about news. Pete, don't listen to that one, but everybody else, check out that one in the Marvel Vision feed. Also, check out our new Sons of a Gun a DC podcast where we talk all about the new DC universe. We have a recap episode for Shazam. We're going to be talking Shazam, Fury and the Gods. And we're going to have some required reading episodes coming up. We're going to talk about nice. Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. Speaking of Tom King, we have a nice in-depth episode about that. Also, shout out to we, this week's sponsor. This week's show is sponsored by our good friend Juan Espinosa. Man, yeah. the bearded man comics. The goal of the company is to create stories showcasing Hispanic cultures. And they've got two great titles, Adventures of a System Admin and Mythology Stories. The comics are available in all major digital platforms such as Amazon, Apple Books, Comic Central, and Library Press. You can also buy the physical copies at a great amount of merchandise at the main website, beardedmancomics.com, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast, and many more, patreon.com slash comicbookclub to support us. You can check us out socially on all the socials. Until next time, good night. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Stray Bullies. Oh, oh, oh.